you doing, Papa Winston? I thought it would be a great day to plant a tree. I suppose so. Well, what kind of tree is it, Papa Winston? Lauren, it's an apple tree. Do you like apples? Oh, I love apples. Those are my favorite. I thought so. How much longer will it be until we can eat these apples, Papa Winston? Well, Lauren, it could be about 20 years. Oh, 20 years? Papa Winston, I was thinking, and I don't think you'll be able to have one of these apples. It's okay, Lauren. I didn't plan this tree for me. a little video clip to help kind of drive home the point we've been making over the last couple of weeks about legacy. And obviously the big key there is what he said at the end was, hey, I planted this tree, but it's not for me. And over the last two weeks, uh, which I'll conclude today, uh, we've been talking about the legacy in which we live. And I think that now is the day to start thinking about the legacy that we leave, because if we wait till later, it may not be the legacy that we want to leave. And so I believe that we ought to uh, really uh, look at the end or at least have the end in mind from today. And so I've shared with you this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks is that legacy is a future without us, but that is still influenced by us. And that's an important key is that we still want to be able to influence and impact our family, our friends, the world in various ways. Um, even after we're gone, is it just because we're gone doesn't mean that we can't still have an impact. And, and, and so we can actually be a part of something that outlives us. And, and so it's this idea that we can actually give to something, be a part of something that's actually eternal and not temporal because much of our life is temporal. You know, I, I mean, how many of you watched the game last night? I don't even have to tell you which game I'm talking about because you know. A couple weeks ago, y'all were real happy. And Dara even says, she's like, man, everybody was happy today. And I'm like, yes, they were. Because we won a game a couple weeks ago, and we're like, we're winning it all. And after last night, it's like, well, we had a good run. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, why? Because those things are just temporal, right? They're not actually eternal. They're not, they don't last forever. And, and so I share this with you as well, is that it's not just about our return on our investment. And if you have any investments right now, you've probably watched your 401k or your retirement kind of go, Right? And you're like, man, I was counting on that. Is that the Bible actually teaches us that we should actually not just live for return on investment, but actually eternal return on investment. And it is different. And so we've looked at this in the last couple of weeks. And um, Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19. He's saying, hey, those who are wealthy, those who are rich, which all of you are rich. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm telling you, you are. Come to me, come with me to another country and I can prove to you in about five minutes that you're rich. So trust me, you are. And so this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. He says, hey, tell those who, who have, it says that they're to do something with it. And he says by doing, in other words, by sharing what they have, by, by sowing what they have, he says that they'll be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 
And what he's saying here is that, hey, you're sowing to a legacy. Is that you're a part of, of, of expanding the kingdom of God. And so I want to share some things with you today. And we're going to recap just for a few moments. But uh, one of the things that I want to... Uh, for you to catch this morning is this, is that there's really three areas of our life that we can actually leave legacy that matter. I'll say it that way. You can leave a legacy for a lot of things that don't matter, but there's three areas of our life. And one of them is with our time. It's like when we go and serve in the community, that's leaving a legacy. Like we ought to be known as not the people who just did all these things, but we should be those who are what? Who love one another, who serve one another, and we can leave a legacy of that. In other words, our church should be known as, hey, when, when we need help, they're the people to go talk to. You know, a number of years ago, I was a youth pastor in Kansas and uh, we had done all these things and, uh, we were just kind of had a reputation, but a good one, Not, you know, a lot of youth groups have bad reputations. We actually had a good one. And I had a lady call me and she said, Hey, I, I heard that you're a guy that can get things done. And I said, well, that depends on what you're talking about. I don't know who you are. And she said, well, I own a business here in town and I've been trying to get our youth group to come and take down wallpaper because we want to paint, we want to do some stuff. And I've been giving them, I don't remember what it was, six or eight weeks and they've yet to show up. And I need it done by Monday. And this is like Thursday. And she's like, but our youth pastor said that you guys could get it done. And so I said, well, possibly let me see what I can do. And uh, so, but our reputation had preceded us. Because I had been, uh, we had, as fundraisers, that's what we would do there. A lot of times we would go and do work for people. And, uh, and so God just gave us a lot of favor in that way. And so I was like, well, let me see. So we ended up taking about 20, 25 kids to this office building. And we did it in... Four or five hours, something like that, six hours. I fed the kids lunch. That's how I bribed them. I said, look, if y'all come, I'll feed you lunch. And uh, so we got it knocked out, and, and the lady gave us like 2500 bucks, $3,000, something like that, for a couple hours of work. And uh, so we'd use that as a fundraiser for a missions trip. You know, but our, but our reputation had proceeded. So we didn't do it for the money. We were doing it. I wanted my kids to have work ethic. And I wanted them to know what it meant to go build a fence. And I wanted them to know what it meant to start a job and finish a job. And so thankfully, we were able to help a lot of kids learn how to work, which was an important thing, right? And so you can use your time to serve other people. That leaves a legacy. You can also use your talent. Some of you are gifted and have talents in different areas. Like, you don't want me up here playing an instrument. It is not my gift. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not warm and fuzzy. It's not my gift. Right? I, I, I can try and I should try, but it's, but some people just have a gift of hospitality, of kindness, of graciousness. They just, I mean, that's their gift. It's who they are. And you can actually use your gift. In other words, you don't have to leave a legacy doing something you hate. God has actually uniquely wired you, created you, gifted you, shaped you to leave a, leave a legacy in the areas that you absolutely love. One of our team members loves organization, spreadsheets, communication. How many of y'all love those things? How many of y'all love to get those things though? It's wonderful. That's a gift. And there's a legacy that can be left because there's, there's power in that. And so this last one, so you can leave a legacy by your time, by your talents. And in the third area is in your treasures. You might not like that one as much, but it is with your treasure. So time, talent, treasures. And this is primarily, but I, I say this because I don't want you to think that your money is the only place that you can leave a legacy. That's not the focus of what we're talking about. But I do want you to know there are other ways that you leave a legacy. That you invest in other people. That you sow into the lives of other people. 
I mean, how many of you are thankful for our worship team that leads us in worship? Now, you know, I, I mean, I'm so thankful that people use their gifts. I'm thankful right now that people are watching my kids so that I can communicate to you. How many of you are thankful for that? There are people who are gifted in those things. And, and so we can use our gifts. We can use all those things. And it does impact people. And at the end of the day, that's what life is all about. Life is about impacting and touching people for the kingdom and for the glory of God. And this is the legacy that we want to live. And so over the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you, but we looked in week one at Matthew 6, where it talks about don't store up treasures here on earth, but store them up in heaven. He goes on to say around verse 24 that you can't serve both God and money. You'll be loyal to one and not to the other and all of these things, right? And so I've shared with you this, I've said it every week because I think it's important, is that you can always tell which one you're serving by the one that you seek the most. If you want to know who's important to you, just see, see what you pursue, see, see what you think about. And so last week, we really looked at the way of biblical generosity. I called it the generosity ladder. I had two ladders up here. I had the world's way of success, right? And it was status and significance and security and all those things. And then over here, we had God's way of, of generosity because God's way of success looks differently than the world's, but it's actually better. Is that God actually has a better plan. And so we looked at it in regards to the area of our finances. And so, and here's what I want you to know about this. Because, you know, week one I gave all my, my disclaimers. So I'm not giving them today. I, I'll give you one. If you think I'm after your money, keep it. And I mean that very, very sincerely. That's not at all what this is about. What this is about is that I want you to know how good your father is. Your heavenly father and if you really knew how good he was and is and what he wanted to do for you, you'd have no hesitation in trusting him. The problem is we have a skewed view of God and we look at him as like, you know, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. <sighs> you know, like he's just waiting to get you. And that's not the case at all. See, I... I really want my goal and my desire in this is I want to stir up your faith in the area of your finances so that you can have a greater kingdom impact. Because here's what I know. If all that I have right now is all I'm ever going to get, that's the ceiling of what I can do. But what if God continues to increase me so that I can have greater impact, leaving a greater legacy? See, the pursuit is not after the stuff or the money or this whatever. The pursuit is I want to leave a bigger kingdom impact and I want to influence more people. And that becomes the desire, the motive of saying, God, if you bless me, I'll be faithful. That's, but here's the thing. I don't want to just kind of go through life and never encourage you to apply your faith. If you were sick, I would tell you, you need to find out what the word of God says about healing and you need to apply your faith with the word of God. The Bible says that when we take the word of God and we mix it with faith, that power is made available. Why would I tell you that in the area of healing, but not in the area of your finances? Because the same thing is true. If I'll take my faith and apply it with God's word, it will make something happen. It will produce. But motive matters. Motive really matters to the Lord. And so we've been looking at these things over the last couple of weeks. And so I'm my, really my heart is that I'm praying that you get an actual revelation on what giving is and the purpose of giving. Is that it's not just 
giving some money to the church. I'm just trying to take care of God. I want God on my side. Like it, I want you to get a real revelation of what it means to be a giver and why it's significant. Because the money that we give is not just money, it's actually spiritual. Whether you realize or not, all money has a spirit on it. The question is, is which spirit is on it? And which one are we being influenced by? Because there's the world system and there's God's system. Let me say it another way. Money is amoral. In other words, it's not good or bad. It takes on the personality of the person who possesses it. It's just true. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Depends on who has it. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this. And so uh, one of the scriptures that we've looked at, and we're going, I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit more today. Uh, last week, I talked to you and shared with you about the different layers of generosity. And I told you about how there's the initial gift. In other words, you got to start somewhere. You're not going to go from zero to 60. You got to start somewhere. You just got to start. If you really want to... Uh, be a generous person, you've got to start giving. In other words, you've got to, what? Because it kills selfishness in our life. And I know that you're sweet, darling, precious. God loves you very much, but you're selfish. And so am I. I, I we're hardwired that way. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to not be that way. And it's amazing how quickly we can become Selfish. And so when we're generous and we, we honor the Lord, and so part of that is just starting. So you gotta, you just got to start somewhere. And then you might progress a little bit further. In other words, you just start and it's kind of sporadic. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to commit to giving a percentage of my income. 2%, 1%, 4%, whatever, wherever you're at, you got to start somewhere. Because you're not going to, you know... Uh, and I shared this last week, the biblical standard is the tithe. Like, well, what is that? 10%. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't give 10% of my income. You may not can start there, but you can start somewhere. And this morning I want to share with you about, and so anyhow, so let me finish the, the generosity ladder that we had. Oh, there they are, right there. I'm doing it from memory. Initial gift, percentage, tithing, and then you get into extravagant. And some of you are actually called, just like I talked about, aren't you thankful for our worship team? Aren't you thankful for our kids team? Aren't you thankful that somebody was at the door to greet you and welcome you today? Some of those people could be in their gift and their calling. Well, some of you are actually called to that last layer there. You're like, what's extravagant? Oh, I like that. Extra. Over and above. And some of you actually call to that and you're like, oh, I could never be there. Maybe it's time to apply your faith. And watch what God will do if you'll honor his word. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this verse. It's Malachi 3 verse 10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be enough food in my house. So God, and I shared this with you last week, is that tithing is actually God's plan of provision for the church. You know, I think it was week one that I even mentioned about our business administrator, Kyle. He, um, you know, me and him had conversations. He said, man, if the church would tithe, we would be looking for places. Like if everybody would just tithe, we, the church would actually be looking for places to give money. In his book, uh, The Blessed Life, Pastor Robert Morris, I don't remember the exact number. Um, but it's, if, if the church in America tithed alone, I forgot how much money it was. It was a staggering amount of money. And he came to the same conclusion. I mean, it was in the hundreds of billions of dollars. 
And so we wouldn't need to look to the government to do what the church should be doing. But the problem is the church isn't doing what it should do, and so therefore the government steps in. It's a side note. Because let me say this, the, the government is not built to do what the church is built to do. I'm not faulting the government. They've stepped in because the church hasn't. So they're doing the best they can. But they're missing a a spiritual component and a love element that is needed. And again, if you think I'm after your money, I'm not after your money. Because that's not the end of the verse. That's the first sentence of the verse. It says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be enough food in my house. So the church is taking care of... So it says the Lord, and he goes, and I will open the windows of heaven for you. So tithing is God's provision plan for the church and for us. So he says, if you'll provide for this, I'm going to provide for you. I I say it this way. If you'll take care of God's house, he's going to take care of your house. But you've got to get a revelation and understanding of this. And God says, look, if you'll just honor me, I'm going to pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to try it in. This is the only place in Scripture where the Bible says and that God says, you can try me, test me, put me to the test. It's the only place in all of Scripture. Everywhere else it says, do not test the Lord your God. But here it says, double dog dare you. Just try me. Just try me. Now, I know some of you may think, well, this is just Old Testament stuff. It's not. You can find it New Testament. Old. You can actually find it before the law, after the law, and post-Jesus. So it's in the Bible cover to cover. And I know there may be some debate on that, but it's really in the Scriptures. And it can sound self-serving for me to communicate this to you, but it's actually, I have a blessing in mind for you. But there, there has to be some obedience. So I want to unpack, really, some of the verses actually just prior to this. And so let me jump back up from verse 10 to verse 8. The Bible reads, will a mere mortal rob God? He says, yet you have robbed me. He says, but you ask, how are we robbing you? So the people ask, children of Israel say, how have we robbed you? God's response is, in tithes and in offerings. He says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now we can read that and we think that God sounds like the Godfather. Right? Like if you don't tithe, I'm coming for your kneecaps. I'm going to send my henchmen out to you. If you don't tithe, your car going to break down, your house is going to leak, things is going to happen. That's not actually what he's communicating. Now there is a truth that he is communicating here, but the way we hear it is like God's out to get us. Oh, you're going to put a curse on me. No, what God says in verse 10 he says, if you'll bring all the tithe, what? I'm going to pour out a blessing. God wants a blessing for us. And so for illustrative purposes, let me give you a clear picture of this. I don't know why, but I've been into props lately. Last week, I had, let's see if I can get this thing open. Boom. I thought about that, but it's not raining. It has been raining. I drove in a lot of rain the last couple of days. So this is what this means. God says, this, this right here represents God's blessing. What happens if I say, I'm good? Am I going to get wet out here if it's raining? Is it God's fault that I'm getting rained on when he's provided a way? What he's saying is you're under a curse because you've left my protection. And so what happens is that God says, hey, I've got a protection plan for you. But if you choose to walk away from it, a 
curse is going to come. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We also have an enemy. But God says, hey, I have a plan for you. And if you'll honor me in the area of your finances, there is what? Not just protection, but there's actually blessing. Like, let me say it another way. Not only will you not get wet, you're going to stay warm too. Why? Because God has provided a way for us to walk and live in his blessing. And so what God is saying here, and really the point is this, is that God is a good father. He's not looking to settle the score with you. He already did that in Jesus, the Bible tells us. Is that anything that he has against us, Jesus already took it. It doesn't mean that I don't face hard things. It doesn't mean that challenges don't come. They will come. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. But I'm not left to myself. And so I want to show you a few scriptures here. Well, let me say this uh, real quick, and then I'll, I'll jump into some new content. Uh, you know, here he talks about tithes and offerings. You're like, well, what is that? That's the difference between that 10% and that extravagant. An offering is over and above. Let me say it another way. Is that the over and above is that which is directed by the Holy Spirit. There are times that we just want to be generous because we're good people. We want to help people. And we have the ability. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe that God will bless us so that we, I mean, it's throughout scripture. But it's something else when the Lord prompts you to do something. And he asks you, and that's optional. It's up to you. And so that's really what an offering is. But one of the things that I have found is learning to hear and follow the leading of the Lord brings real blessing. In other words, when I give, and I don't necessarily have to. Tithing is not a have to. It's a heart decision. We've looked at this in the previous weeks. The Bible, Paul wrote and said, hey, make up your own mind. Don't give out of compulsion, guilt, manipulation. Like, don't give for those reasons. Give because you're cheerful. Give because what? You want to see what God has done in you happen in other people. And that takes resources. Salvation is free, but to send the gospel is not. And I have to commend you, we're a very generous church. I mean, we've had two missionaries over the last couple months, and we've really been able to bless them because of you. But it's one thing to just sporadically give. It's another thing to commit that this is who I am. That I am a generous person. This is how I choose to live my life. And so here I want to show you this so that you don't think I'm just making this up about, well, I'm under the blessing of God because I tithe. Let me show you in scripture to support what I just said. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 and 27, God is talking to the children of Israel and he says, look, today I'm giving you a choice between blessing and curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of your God that I'm giving you today, but you'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods that you have not known before. So rewind to Matthew 6. You'll either serve God or you'll serve money. It didn't say you'll serve God or the devil, which is interesting because that's where we would, I would go most of time, but that's not what he said. If you go on in Deuteronomy 28, again, he repeats this, almost the same thing. In verse 1 and 2, he says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. He says, You will experience all the blessings if you obey the Lord your God. 
If is always conditional. If you do this, I'm going to do this. Now, let me say this, is that this is not, and what I'm not saying is that God's going to make you filthy rich. What I am saying is that God is going to make you blessed. Because all the money in the world can't make you happy. And all the money in the world cannot give you peace. And all the money in the world cannot give you purpose and, and meaning and value. The Money can't do that. And so when we talk about being blessed, it's really being satisfied. Like that God will allow you to be in a place where your soul is actually satisfied and fulfilled. And no amount of money can give you that. Statistically, I shared this, I think, two weeks ago. Is that they did a massive national poll and they said, how much money would make you happy? And it didn't matter the income level. Everybody said, twice as much as I got now. If I make $10,000, man, if I could just make twenty. If I make $100,000, man, if I could just get to two hundred. If I make a million dollars, if I could just get to two, it'll be enough. It'll never be enough. Why? Because that's the pursuit. But what if God is wanting to bring you and bless you in a place where, yes, you can have influence and, yes, you can have impact, leaving a legacy... Now, I know what I just said, which is why I preface this next verse. Because Deuteronomy 28 is all about blessings and cursings. I would encourage you to go read the whole chapter. Because God says here at the beginning, he says, oh, you're going to be blessed when you come. You're going to be blessed when you go. You're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the field. There's a lot of blessing going on. So apparently God doesn't mind us being blessed. God has a problem when we pursue the blessing more than him. That's where the pride, and again, that's a heart issue. But it says in verse 8 and 9 here, it says, The Lord will send a blessing on your barns. How many of you got a barn? Anybody? Ooh, two people, three people? Three people got a barn. The rest of y'all just out of luck. I'm sorry. All right, this verse is for you three. The Lord is going to send a blessing on your barn. You want me to include everybody in this? The Lord will send a blessing upon your bank account. It's not the reason that I give. But God is a good father. And he's very true to his word. The Bible says he watches over his word. He's paying attention. He ain't asleep at the wheel. And if we will honor his word, you say, well, how do I honor the the word of God? Obey it. How do I honor God with my life? Live in a way in accordance to the scriptures. Not perfect, but to the best of your ability. And when you mess up, admit it. God, I'm sorry, you know me. It's me again. I know I just prayed like five minutes ago about this, but I'm back. I'm going to ask you to help me. So it says, the Lord will uh, send a blessing upon your barn and upon everything that you put your hand to do. And it says, the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. This last part's the part I really want you to catch here. It says, the Lord will establish you as his holy people. The Lord will establish you. Why? When I honor him, when I obey his word, when I walk in the wisdom and the counsel of the word of God, the Bible here says that God will establish me. That word establish means to set firm. That I'm not moved by the day. I'm not moved by the circumstances. No, I've got something to stand on. I've got a reason to be confident. 
See, I think for some of us anyways, is that we've got to change our mindset and our behaviors from living in a place of God bailing us out. Look, I've been there, but I don't want to live there. And if I'm living there, there's probably some behaviors that are not lining up with the word of God. You're like, oh, now you meddling, pastor. Yes, I am. It's called get a budget. It's called spend less money than you bring in. I almost had Jerry come up and do a little comedy routine for me because we were in group the other day. And he was on a roll about this. And he was like, man, if you got more water coming in the boat than you're shoveling out, guess what? You're still sinking. It was pretty funny, actually. I got quite a laugh out of it. And he was just going and going and going about that. In other words, oh man, you mean I got to be disciplined? Yes. I mean, you got to be disciplined to have a devotional life, right? Man, I know discipline's a four-letter word in some of your dictionaries. You're like, oh, that's a terrible word. I don't like it. You may not like that discipline, but you will like the results of it. You would. So we've got to change our behavior from just asking God to rescue us and bail us out. And look, we all get in moments like that. We get in over our heads and it's like, God, help me. Like Peter walking on the water. He was the big man on campus until he started to sink. And then he said, Jesus. And then what happened? Jesus comes and gets him. Now, if I'm Jesus, I'd have walked up to Peter and been like, you sorry joker. I want you to gulp a little bit more water and then I'll get you out. I want you to think about what you've done for a few moments. Okay, you're about done. Let me get you out. Now, here's my question. I don't know the answer to this. I just want to know how they get back to the boat. I have my own theory. I think Jesus said, Peter, let me teach you how to walk on the water. I had to rescue you, but let me teach you so that I don't have to do this again. And I believe that he picked him up and said, let's walk. And he went back in the boat. That's my theory. I may be wrong. We'll see when we get to heaven. Ask Jesus. He'll tell you. No, but we've got we've to change this mentality from God bailing us out to living and walking in his provision. See, we don't need the roller coaster ride of our economy. I need the stability of provision that comes from God because he's my source, not my job. And see, for some of you, you need to get a revelation of that. Jesus taught this and says, don't you know that God takes care of the birds of the field and the lilies of the valley? Don't you know that you're more important to him? So why do you worry so much about what everybody else is worried about? Don't you think God knows you? Don't you think he cares for you? Of course, yes, he does. And the wisdom of Jesus is then why do you worry? Because you have provision. But you've got to get a revelation and understanding. Because there's one thing to have it in your head. Just in your, in your knowledge. It's another thing when it drops and becomes real revelation. That's like that light bulb moment. Like, boom, I got it. See, we need to get to the place where we're walking in provision. Proverbs 10.22 says this, is that true enrichment comes from the blessing of the Lord. It says with rest and contentment in knowing that it all comes from Him. I mean, there's multiple people throughout Scripture who lost everything. And God restored it. I mean, I know there's everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Job. He had it all and then he lost it all. But what happened when he it returned? It came back double. Now, we can... Discuss, because there's actually a reason. Give you the Cliff Notes version. Job had fear. 
Job feared that he would lose it all. And then he did. That's actually the key thought of the whole thing, is that fear opened the door for him to lose everything. And yet God was gracious and returned even what he had lost in double. See, we have to understand that even we may look, the economy is the economy. I mentioned earlier, some of your retirement accounts are slipping right now. They're like, oh, Jesus, what's going to happen? Jesus is Lord. And if that account goes to zero, God, if he fed the ravens of the field, he's going to feed me. My trust is not in my portfolio. My, my trust is not in my investments. My, my, my trust is not in my hard work. My trust is in the Lord, my God. Why? Because he's faithful to his word. And the psalmist wrote and said, Look, hey, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God is not moved by the economy. Like a leg on the throne of God did not break off. He'd be like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? He's not moved by it. We get moved by it. And look, I'm as human as you are. I look at my bank account just like hopefully you do. Some of y'all are just like spending by faith. Like, oh, I, I think there's money in here. Swipe. Swipe. I mean, I know we just had Black Friday shopping and all. Just like, Lord Jesus, let it go through. And then in a few weeks, you're going to be like, Lord Jesus, why'd you let that go through? You know, you should have stopped me when you could have, Jesus. No, it comes from the Lord. Well, if it all comes from him, it all comes from him. My blessing, my provision, it all comes from him. It's not relying on me. As long as I'm walking in obedience to his word, as long as I'm in partnership with him, as long as I stay under his covering, there's protection, there's safety. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus responding to a, a lady says, because, and long story, this is a little bit out of the context of the story, but I'm too much of a Bible person to just take it and just be like, here, here's the principle. This lady makes a statement and she says, oh, blessed is the woman who gave you, who, who gave birth to you, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, and this is his response to that. And he says, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. More special and more important than Mary is the one who hears the word of God and does what it says. Go read the book of James, chapter 1, around verse 19, 20, 25, 26. It all talks about those who hear and do. Hear and do. There's, there's power in the hearing. You got to hear it, but you got to have faith to do. It's one, let me say it another way. It's one thing to nod your head yes at me. Say, oh yeah, that's good. Okay, but you got to do. Because in the nodding of your head is not the blessing. Oh yeah, pastor, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. There's blessing in the doing, not in the hearing. You got to hear so that you know what to do. You got to get a revelation and understanding of these things. So let me say, let me, let me make a statement here. If we can't walk in obedience to the word that we read, in other words, the scriptures that we read, how can we walk in um, obedience to the word that God speaks to us? The words that we hear. If I can't follow the Lord and obey his commands that he's written, how am I going to be able to follow the promptings that he has when he speaks to me? I won't. Or it'll be an emotional thing. We're not called to be emotionally generous. The Bible says, make up your own mind. Make the determination. You pick. 
Do you want to walk in blessing? Or do you want to step outside of God's plan and then you're rolling the dice? Which one you want? This is what the Bible says. Let me give you, well, let me share a story with you. Many of you have heard this story. Some of you haven't. A number of years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me to get out of debt. Now, let me just preface this story. Today, I have debt. Not a ton, but I have some. So, just prefacing the story. But the Lord told me to get out of debt. He's, and I just knew it in my heart. It wasn't like an audible voice. You're like, how did you know? I don't know. I just knew that I knew that, that the Lord had spoke that to me. Well, at the time, I was in crazy credit card debt. Like more than my annual salary. Yeah, let that sink in. I had credit card debt. I had two car notes. I mean, I was the typical American, actually. So I know what I'm talking about when I say drowning in debt. I call one of those debt consolidation people, and they're like, bro, I don't know what you did, and I don't know how you did this, but I can't help you. That was a great day. That was awesome. That made me feel really good. In one way, I was like, man, I kind of worked the system. I had worked the system and painted myself into a corner. So when all hope was lost, what did I do? Turn to the Lord. Help me. Which is what we all typically will do. And it was a combination of multiple things that happened. Number one, I had to acknowledge, I have royally put myself in a horrible situation. I had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I have spent beyond my ability to repay. And I need some help. The Lord brought me some wisdom. I learned some new stuff. I learned how to handle money better than I had. Because I was that just swipe it and pray guy. Lord, you'll provide it. Oh, it went through. Good. So, long story short, we started believing God. We started activating our faith. We started... Look, we were tithers even before that. I was tithing and got myself into a mess. So, when I say you've got to apply your faith to this, we got to roll. God is not the lottery. He is not my bailout plan. He never said he would bail me out. He said he would help me if I would learn and obey. So we started putting these things into action. In three and a half years, we paid off all of our debts. Now, a couple weeks I told you this. I sold a truck. We were a one car. We had two cars at the time. We sold one car. We paid off both cars when I sold my truck, which was like my dream truck. You know, four-wheel drive, four-door. I mean, you name it. It had all the stuff. And I said, well, let me... Let me do what I can do. Did it hurt? Absolutely. But the Lord told me to get out of debt. It was the largest single debt I had. If I sell the truck, it's going to help me get to what the Lord told me to do. It was an act of obedience to the Lord. And the Lord, you're like, did the Lord mind you having that truck? No. It wasn't about the truck. It was what the truck had in me. And the Lord said, hey, I, you got to get rid of that thing. I sold it. We began to do some things. The Lord brought us opportunities. So in three and a half years, we went from drowning in debt to debt free to money in the bank. Now, little did I know that God had. Now, this is three, four years in advance. That the Lord knew something was coming in four years that he began to talk to me about four years in advance. and said, you need to prepare for something you can't even see. Now, he didn't tell me that. 
All he said was, get out of debt. I didn't know there was a reason. But when the reason came, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that we listened to the Lord. So what happened is that we applied our faith. We began to believe God. God, you're going to help us. You're going to give us opportunities. You're going to give us ways. We're going to do our part. I mean, we went and we had a sticky note on the door of our pantry with like a dozen meals. And it's like, what are we eating tonight? Let's go open the can. All right, we got three options left. Because going out to eat is not an option. And we know we have all the ingredients for these meals. Spaghetti again. Yay! Awesome. Spaghetti's cheap if you don't know. And we would cross them off and cross them. So we were disciplined. We'd go shopping. We allowed ourselves, like this is just a little hack for you. Me and Dare would go grocery shopping together back then. And we would allow ourselves each one thing not on the list. Because before, we're like multiple buggies and there's two of us. Like we each get a cart. <laughs> I mean, it happened one time during this time that we were actually grocery shopping and somebody walked up behind us and said, hey, we want to pay for y'all's groceries. Hallelujah. They just paid for our groceries. You're like, man, would that happen for me? It might. Not saying that it will, but it could. It may come provision in another way. But the question is, is where's your faith? Are you acting based off your faith? Or are you not acting out of fear? That's, that's the question. And so what happened is that we applied our faith. We were diligent to work. We worked our jobs. We had side hustles that, that God brought us. These were God opportunities. Let me say it this way. Not every opportunity is your opportunity. And I could tell you multiple opportunities that were the Lord for us. And then I got to a place where things kind of leveled out. And I'd worked for UPS in college. And I thought, man, if I just go back to UPS and work in the morning before I go to the church, I can make extra money. I can work those three or four hours. I go and fill out the application, turn it in, walk out the building, the door shuts. And I just, in my heart, it's not like the Lord spoke it, but I just knew in my heart that I've crossed the line. Is that I've taken up the responsibility of this and I'm no longer asking the Lord to help me. In other words, I've made it my problem and not asking the Lord for his help. And so I made my decision sitting in my truck at that moment. If they call me, I'm not going to take the job. Here's the crazy thing. During that three and a half years, me and Dara bought our first house that I couldn't sleep because I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. In those three and a half years, we gave more money than we'd ever given in our life. Our salaries never changed. Now tell me how that makes sense. We gave more every year as we got out of debt, as we paid stuff off. We were more generous than we had ever been. And yet the bills just kept going down. And I could give you lots of things from that season of my life. I mean, we got to a point where we knew that the Lord was saying, hey, that there's a, a, a new season coming. And we got, because we, I mean, we had a lot of debt. I could tell you the number, but I won't. And we got down to just $2,000 and we still kind of linger in there. And we were knowing the Lord was leading us to do something. It was like, well, what's the last thing the Lord told us to do that we've not done? Me and Dare had a whole conversation about it. I'm like, we never got out of debt. We took the next three or four months and we got real aggressive and we paid out that debt. 
Within a month or two, the Lord spoke and said, okay, now the new season can come. I don't believe that God would have ever opened the door. I don't know if I would be here today if I had not listened to the Lord. Because it was a pivotal season, pivotal time in our life. Like, oh, pastor, you know, God did that for you, but he wouldn't do it for me. Let me give you a couple examples. Genesis 26, the Bible says that Elijah sowed in a time of famine and he reaped a hundredfold return. Everybody else is in drought, yet he, he sowed and reaped. In Genesis 41, Joseph, the Bible gave him, or I'm sorry, that God gave him wisdom, gave him a dream and said, hey, there's seven years of plenty, but you better have some money and savings because there's seven years of drought coming. And the Lord may speak to you and it may be something just like that. Hey, you need to start stocking some money away. You need to build up your savings account. And you're like, well, why would I do that? Because there's something coming and, and I want, I'm making provision. The Bible says he's the God who sees ahead and makes provision. In other words, he knows the provision before I know the need. And he's going to talk to me about it ahead of time. And God will do that for me. God will do that for you. God will stir up some ideas on the inside of you. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says this, gives us the wisdom. It says, cast your bread upon the waters and in many days it will return to you. It's an agricultural term and what he was, the children of Israel were nomadic at the time. And what he's telling them to do is take, don't eat all your seed, throw some seed in the river. The river is going to take it down the river where you're headed. And when you get there, that seed will what? Land in the bank of that river. It's going to get watered by the river. It will grow so that there's something for you to eat when you get there. Cast your bread upon the waters. Cast your seed upon the waters. And what? It will return to you. In verse 4 of this, same chapter. Ecclesiastes 11, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. It says that they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. It says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does it all. Look, I, I mean, I have two kids. I can't tell you how they were formed in my wife's stomach. I don't know how bones come together. I don't know how the brain, I don't, I'm not a scientific guy. I don't understand how all that works. It's a mystery to me. I don't have to understand every way that God works to know that God will work. I don't have to figure it all out. And even when I look back and even as I tell you the story, I try to figure out how did God do what he did for us in the area of our finances. And I don't know. We just took it a step at a time and a step at a time and a step of obedience and a step of obedience and a step of obedience. And God was faithful as we were faithful to obey the word of God as we were faithful to just continue to walk. And then what it seems like one day everything changed. No, it wasn't one day. It was over years of obedience, thing the tide begin to turn, things begin to shift, and I moved out of God bailing me out into learning how to live in His provision. But it came through obedience. And just as it says here, when I cast my bread upon the waters, it will come back. That's not the reason that I sowed, but God says, Hey, I want you to have a legacy. I want you to have provision. And maybe some of the seed that we flow or throw into the river goes down the river beyond us. And maybe it touches the next generation. Maybe it touches our kids or our grandkids. Or, or maybe there's somebody else that we may never know about this side of heaven. That as we are faithful 
to what? To come in partnership with God. That there's a harvest that comes. So I want to take just a moment here and I, I want to just address them because I believe this can help you. So pastor, what do I, what do, I do when tough times come? Because you're going to have some tough times. You're going to have moments. Unexpected, the car breaks down, a, a, a medical bill comes. Situation in life happens and, and all of a sudden your plan just totally gets submarined. <laughs> like a torpedo just right through your budget. And you're like, man, I had a plan, but now what am I going to do? Let me give you some scriptures here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and through 9. It says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. He'll never be made to be a fool. He'll never be sneered at. It says, for what you plant you will, al- or will always be the very thing that you harvest. The harvest that you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. It says, if you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits and grow, or that grow from everlasting life to the spirit. He says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest that God, um, that wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. When hard times come, what do I do? I just remind myself. I've already obeyed God. God saw this coming. This isn't anything to him. It might move me. It might rock me. It might get me into my emotions. But God is still on the throne. And he's the one who said he watches over his word to me to perform. And he says, if I would obey him, that blessings would come into my life. That he would take care of my needs. That if he cares for the birds of the air, then he cares for me. If he feeds them, he's going to feed me. And, God, and look, and your answer to prayer may look like a side job. You're like, oh, that wouldn't be the Lord. It was for me. This is no joke. They delivered a phone book on my doorstep and on it, in big words, says, do you need cash? And I thought, yes, I do. <laughs> and I delivered phone books for about two weeks. And I made about $1,000. You're like, oh, I would never do that. Humble yourself. <laughs> oh, I could never work that job. Oh, I would never do. What did you just do with your never? I would never. What if that never was God's provision? Then you can sing in the rain. Why? Because you have help. You have an aid. See, this might be the most practical of all three weeks. Because you're like, I thought we were talking about legacy. We are. I'm trying to help you get to a place that you can actually have a legacy. I mean, look, I want my legacy to be, I'm not stressed out all the time. I'm not freaked out. I mean, that's a good legacy. I don't want my kids to grow up in a house where it's like, oh, every time it's tight, mom and dad fighting. That's my legacy, though. Like, if I choose that, that is my legacy. Now, I'm not saying I want to ruin my kids with the blessings of God. My kids will learn how to work. They already do. 
They do chores. I'm like, they're like, do I get paid for this? I'm like, no, baby, it's called rent. This is called rent. You do some things as a member of the family because you live here. You dirty them dishes, you can put them up. I'm not getting paid for this. No, baby, you got to eat dinner. Go. Go on. Let me give you one last scripture here as I'm wrapping up. What do you do when hard times come? Isaiah 32 verse 8 says this, is that generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm on their generosity. When tough times come, I can go to the Lord in prayer and say, Father, I thank you that I've been generous, that I've sowed seeds. I thank you that you said in your word that you would not be mocked. Whatever I would sow, that I would reap. And I've sown to the Spirit. And I thank you that it produces in my life. This isn't get rich quick. I'm not using God like a slot machine. I'm just taking God's word and saying, God, you said if I would honor you that blessings would come into my life. And I'm going to trust you, not just in this moment. Because sometimes what I found is that in those hard moments, we trust the Lord because we have no other option. But you know, the Lord also told the children of Israel, he says, hey, by the way, don't forget me when you get into your promised land. Sometimes it's easy to, to remember him in the desert. But then we get things level and it's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. And God says, hey, you need to remember where it came from. Because see, if we'll live this way, we can actually live as tithers. We can live as givers. And you're like, man, I, that would be crazy. That may be, you know, a couple weeks ago I shared, or I challenged you with what are your generosity goals? Like, what's something that you're like, God, if you would bless me so that I could give this, if I could do this, if I could bless somebody. With, like, what would it be that you could apply your faith to? And begin to believe God for that. I've had some of those. I've accomplished a couple. I still have some that are fairly large for me. By the grace of God, he's going to help me to do it. But what? When, when the tough times come, I go back. Father, I thank you that I'm a tither. I'm in covenant with you. You said if I would take care of your house, you're going to take care of my house. Now, I'm not demanding, but I thank you that I stand on the truth of your word. Your word is immovable. It doesn't change, and you never change your mind. You said that if I would honor you, if I would obey you, that you would take care of me. And sometimes God takes care of me in my messes. Because it's not just life, it's me. And that's what God did for us. Is that he took care of even our mess. The things that weren't just life happening. There were decisions we made. We called it shop therapy. I don't know if any of you are guilty of this. I'm having such a rough day. I need to go spend some money I ain't got. That was actually a lot of our debt. Just mental health trying to. I don't know what you'd even call it. Stupidity, but you know. If I'm just, we were stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. We were stupid. Like, oh, I just need to go eat a better meal. That'll make me happy. No, it won't. I mean, I like good food. If you're going to eat, might as well eat good food, right? I mean, that's my theory, so. But look, I'm telling you, if you'll make a commitment to this, I'm going to give you a challenge in January for those of you that may not have ever stepped into this. Like, well, why are you waiting until January? Because it's the holidays. I want you to like pray about it. Have some time to absorb this. Think about it. You might need to come back and re-listen to some of these messages. Why? Because I, I believe God's word. 
I've seen God's word work in our life. I've seen blessings come into our life that we don't deserve, we don't earn. And God says, hey, I just love you. But here's what's crazy about it. I have more blessing in my life today and I'm more aware that I don't deserve it than ever. And if the Lord asked me for anything, it'd be easy to say, it's yours anyways. I don't deserve it. The problem is we get mine, 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 mine. And that, that mine can get into our soul. And God's saying, hey, it's much better to be a blessing than it is to be mind-minded. So I mentioned this last week. I'm not going to take the time to communicate, but I will say this. Is that even in these messages over the last couple of weeks, you know, there, we shared about the generosity ladder thing and even about that kind of that extravagant giving. Some of you, I believe God has called you to that. In other words, God's going to give you money. He's going to bring resources into your life, but it's for a purpose. Some of it's for your enjoyment. God doesn't mind that at all. It's actually multiple times in Scripture. God says, I'm going to give you things for your enjoyment. But God's going to put some things into your hands so that you can be a blessing. Like crazy blessings. And I've been on the receiving end, but I want to be on the, I want to be on the giving end of some of those crazy blessings too. Why? Because it's what the Bible says. It's actually more blessed to give than to receive. And I've actually found that to be true. It's a lot more fun. Because here's what happens. When somebody bails me out, the stress goes away. But joy doesn't come. When I give, joy comes. When I bless, joy comes. I mean, it's awesome. You know, and and so, you know, I I made the joke last week that some of you are like, Dear Lord, are we going to stop talking about this? You may not be one of those called to extravagant giving. It doesn't mean that you're not called to, to give and to be generous. We're all called to that. But there are people that are called to extravagant. We're, we're calling it our legacy team, which is actually where this whole series comes from. You're like, well, what is that? It's just me communicating because there's things that we would love to do, but we don't have the resources to do them. And I'm not asking you for a check. What I'm asking is for you to pray and say, God, if you would bless me, I'll do this with it. At least some of it. And the Lord will give you an amount. And so, you know, I, uh, I sat down two weeks ago. And I just began to write out. If I had the money, if I had the ability, what would I do? And in about 10 minutes, I came to about $300,000 worth of stuff. In 10 minutes. And one of those is a building in the back. Why? So that we can use it to minister to people. So we could do distributions off our campus like we did after the hurricane. So that we could reach people. We could touch people. We can use it as a tool for ministry. There's other things. And so if that's something that you're interested in, look, because I had a couple people ask me, they're like, hey, I'm interested in that, but what is it? We're going to have a little bit of a meeting. All it really is is me communicating things to you. It's not asking you for anything. It's just saying, hey, if the Lord puts it on your heart, here's some things you could give to. Here's some specific lanes. There's four lanes that you can give to. One of those is missions. Some of you really have a heart for world missions. You're like, man, if I could just give to missions. All right, let me, let me help facilitate your giving to missions. I'm going to communicate the needs of missionaries. Some of you have uh, just a heart for the house. Some of you have a heart for local things. Some of you are like, I don't care about the missionaries overseas. What about our own city? And so if that's something you're interested in, you can talk to me. You can talk to Kyle over here. Kyle, raise your hand in case they don't know who you are. Kyle's over here, business administrator. You can also talk to Bennett as well, who's helping me. If you don't know who Bennett is, that's Jen's husband. If you don't know who Jen is, she's our kid's pastor. So talk to Jen. She'll direct you to Bennett. 
But um, you can talk to one of us, and probably after the first of the year, we're going to get together, and I'm just going to share kind of more about what Legacy Team is, what I believe that God uh, will do through it. And uh, so really what it is is that, um, is that God gives us vision, but I believe God will give you provision for the vision. So in other words, I set the vision, but you guys can set the pace. You determine how fast we run. Give you a story about that real quick. It's in my it's extra. There's a church that I know of, and uh, they do dream centers, which is like medical aid, and they do dental care, and then they do food distribution, all these things. It's pretty amazing what they do. They have them all over the nation. And um, that would be down the road vision, by the way. Um, but a guy was going to this church, and so he, um, he happened to be a professional athlete. He lived in Auburn, Alabama, and he was from Auburn but played professional sports. And so it's a very large church, lots of locations, this and that. And, and uh, so he had asked somebody at the church, said, hey, what would it take for us to, or when, when are we going to get a dream center here in Auburn? And the, guy, and the guy was like, well, I don't know. We're pretty far down the list. They're going to build them in a couple other cities first. And he said, yeah, but what would it take to get one? Like, what would it take to get us moved up that list? And the guy's like, well, I don't know. So he's like, let me check. And so he comes back and he said, it'd take a million dollars. And the guy said, I'll bring the check this week. I want, our, I want our dream center next. And he got it. Why? Because God had given him provision for a vision. And some of you are like, God would never do that. I'll sign up for that. And I don't mean that in a wrong way. Like, God, if you'll bless me, I, I'm going to sow. And I'm a, your kingdom is my priority, not my kingdom. Your kingdom. There's a funny old saying that when water runs through the hose, even the hose gets wet though. And if God will get blessing through me, guess what? He's going to bless me too. And so if that's something you're interested in, look, there's no pressure. There's no nothing. It's just communication. That's really what it is. I don't talk a lot about money from the platform for a reason. Um, and, and I have my own reasons in that. Number one, I want people to know that my motives are pure. But I also, if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going to teach on it. I'm not going to give you two minutes and be like, oh, if you want to bless the Lord, you know. There's no faith in that. I want you to hear the word of God so that faith rises up on the inside of you. So that God can bless you and use you and be able to pour his blessings out into your life. And so I want to pray this morning over us and over you. So, Father God, I just thank you right now. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room, every person that's online right now. Father, I thank you that you are a good father, that you're not looking to settle a score with us in any way. But, Father, you have good things in mind for us. You have nothing but good things in mind for us. So, Father, I ask you to stir up faith on the inside of us. Father, I take authority over fear, anxiety, worry right now. Father, I thank you that you're helping us to trust you. To get out of our own way sometimes. To get out of our own thoughts. Father, I thank you that your provision is coming to our houses. Father, as we make your house a priority, Father, you're blessing our house. Father, I thank you for whatever need is represented in this room right now. Father, you know exactly what it is. I thank you that you have more resources and more ability than we could ever imagine or think. Father, you own everything. And our need is nothing in comparison with your abundance. And so, Father, I thank you that even as we take steps of faith to honor you in the area of our finances, Father, I thank you that it's unlocking blessings. That, Father, you, that you would do 
exactly what you said in Malachi 3.10. And Father, as we would honor you, that you would open up the windows of blessing into our life, over our life, Father, that we would not just have enough for us, but Father, we'd have enough to share and to be a blessing to other people. So Father, I thank you right now for, for your provision in our life, Father, as we honor you.